Welcome to Monstrology, episode 12. That's right, the, clo the clock has officially struck 12, uh, and we have something uh, appropriately uh, spooky for you today. Um, yeah, it's a good sound, uh, imagine, which leads me to my question. Have you ever had a supernatural experience? No, happening? and I so desperate, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. Okay, so when I was a kid, I lived in, a, for a few years, we lived in this big old, what was originally the farmhouse of that area. And- uh, Off to a good start. A, yeah, right, and it had a lot of like cool, spooky elements like you know there were there's the winding staircase at the back of the house and I had this creepy old attic and I so desperately wanted there to be a ghost mm -hmm. uh like I would actually my sister and I would purposely go looking for one trying to find one and I was just so desperate to have one and then nothing ever happened except on the very last night that we were living in that house before we moved I had a dream that I had gone up to the to the attic and where in real life there was uh, a doorway in my dream it was all walled off and in my dream I could hear somebody on the other side of the wall banging on the wall mm. asking me for help and to let them out and so it was like I I it was like I had created <laughs> the ghost in my mind like so that best, it was like a best nightmare ever <laughs> well that was the thing right so I was like oh my god there actually has been a ghost here this whole time and and it knows that this is my last night here and so it finally made its presence known to me and I was so excited it was and my mom was like you are such a weird kid <laughs> <laughs> it was just the beginning um, I, right it just it really set a precedent for the rest well, of my life Madrin, uh, I've been trying very hard for the last few weeks to to get a, a ghost uh, to come on to our show. I know how much you love ghosts. Uh, and today's guest isn't just any type of ghost. Today's guest is a poltergeist. Poltergeists um, are kind of self-explanatory in their own name. It comes from uh, the German uh, poltern, which is rumble or rant, and geist, which is a spirit or ghost. And you put them together and you get this noisy ghost. Um, or there's something about like the rage of a ghost too in poltern. Like I saw the definition, like un not unhinged rage, but it was some sort of like uh, outrageous energy which I think really suits uh, poltergeists. Um, there's a couple features that really define what a poltergeist is too, because I, I, just for context, um, there's so many different types of ghosts. And imagine when mm -hmm. I was doing my research, one of the big things was like, okay, is this a poltergeist or is this a ghost? And all poltergeists are ghosts but all not all ghosts are poltergeists right it's right yeah like, like a... there are certain things that define 
a, a spirit or ghost or entity as being specifically a poltergeist. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a feature. It's like you get a car and it's got like poltergeist features. <laughs> um, right? It's maybe yeah. the like best way. Like all cars are cars, but only some of them have Bluetooth connections. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the, the Tesla of monsters. Um, so here's a couple of things that I found in my research that define what a poltergeist is. The first is within the name, like the noise and the rumbling. There's bangings in a lot of these houses. Um, they're usually malevolent and uh, destructive. Uh, they're not a lot of nice poltergeists. We'll find out later whether our guest uh, is, is kind or not <laughs> to us, um, but that might be interesting to find out. Um, poltergeists can actually move physical objects. So that was one of the big ones for me is, I feel like a lot of ghosts are like phantoms or apparitions or orbs or whatever, but poltergeists can move objects and have physical connection. Um, they can also like damage and bite and just like actually hurt you. Um, right. Yeah. Like that seemed to be one of the, the, the major overarching things when I was looking into poltergeists is that, yeah, you're absolutely right that they actually have the ability to move objects, but more often than not, it's not like they're using their ability to, you know, help make your bed. They're mm -hmm. destroying the stuff around, around your house. Like yeah. objects thrown around the room, um, stuff broken, you know, paintings that fall. And you hear oftentimes about mirrors that get knocked off of the wall and the glass is destroyed. So really poltergeists seem to be quite destructive in, in their activities. Mm -hmm. I was also reading too that oftentimes, um, poltergeists come with a very distinctive odor. Oftentimes, most people will say that they can smell uh, like sulfur, that rotten egg smell, or they just smell things that are, again, really bad and just smell, you know, rotten and, and disgusting. So again, mm -hmm. it's not like poltergeists are going around, uh, you know, like refreshing your air with, <laughs> no, like they don't come with like a, you know, beach wave scent, <laughs> like yeah. your favorite scented candle, you know? Uh, usually it's kind of an ominous, deathly, like, uh, I don't know, moldy smell. And yeah. or, or I was reading oftentimes it's sulfur. Oh, yeah. interesting. I, is, do you think there's any connection there? Because it's also electrical issues are a big thing with mm -hmm. poltergeists. That, yeah, like, flickering it lights. And so I think that kind of like fiery, I just think of like uh, blue fire, like really <laughs> bright fire. And like, yeah. I wonder if there's a kind of sulfury smell in that. Well, um, and I think it goes with, like you said, most oftentimes poltergeists are, are quite malevolent and destructive in their behaviors. So mm -hmm. I can't think of a more malevolent smell than sulfur. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like nothing good ever comes from that smell. No. Um, and the last thing that I would say that like defines a poltergeist is the duration of the haunting is different. So for a lot of ghosts that are, let's say not poltergeists, it can be a very long haunting, like years mm -hmm. or centuries or whatever. But most poltergeists, uh, are, it's more like months than years sometimes even shorter. Um, I think one of the longest ones that I found is like five months or something. So I guess it's kind of this mm -hmm. burst of, of ghost energy and then it gets it out of its system and, and moves on. Um, right, like uh, so many different accounts that I was reading said that the the poltergeist activity seemingly came out of nowhere. Like all mm -hmm. of a sudden it just started one day and then just in the same way, all of a sudden it just stopped one day and it was like the poltergeist was done terrorizing people and just yeah. left and that was it. It's Yeah, I mean, 
it's not a hard and fast rule. I guess there is some cases that would be longer, but then I it always just think of like, it could just dip into being a different type of ghost. Like there's something to me about the, the short duration that seems to be a part of its feature. Maybe it's um, like a ghost temper tantrum. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like a toddler throwing a fit that really usually only lasts a few minutes and then they get out whatever energy and feelings mm -hmm. they were having, right? Well, but this... because, you know, the lifespan of a ghost is, I mean, potentially forever. Mm -hmm. So maybe that that's what it is. It's just that's a poltergeist just having a temper tantrum. And for us, it goes on for weeks or months on end. But for them, it's just, you know, like a hot minute. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just a, a blip in their existence. Yeah. Um, now that we've kind of defined the poltergeist, I just want to talk a little bit about some explanations of like why they exist that I've found. Some of them are more like scientific and some of them are just a definition of the monster, I guess still kind of, but um, it's less so about what the ghost is as like why the ghost is. So one of the things, just because you're talking about kids and temper tantrums is I saw um, some people that theorize that they're manifestations of the psychokinetic abilities of young children that aren't yet fully formed. Like there's something about the fact that they're adolescent, that they have these mm. abilities in their imagination or it plays in a more subconscious way. Um, and so I thought that was interesting because so much of the pop culture that we see is, is tied to children. Like children are always a feature. Um, and sometimes it's not a child, but uh, I also found that um, one of the other explanations was that it came from emotional stress from whoever the agent was. Um, so let's say like, if I was going through a tough time, I might be more susceptible to getting a poltergeist and poltergeists are usually tied to an individual person rather than a location, which has some overlap in film. And I think a lot of these reasons are like, it's more cinematic uh, in that way but they're usually tied to a person and they run through a host. And I thought that was really cool because it changed my expectation of like, it's not necessarily, you know, uh, in a haunted house, the, the house has a poltergeist which attaches to the human being and like through that person is how the poltergeist starts like uh, wreaking havoc. Like there's right, always like, like a host. They seem, or they seem to favor terrorizing one particular person within a household. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I've read about uh, versions, both both like actual real life accounts of that. And then, of course, when we get talking about our pop culture stuff, a lot of the incidents, uh, you know, in the pop culture things that I was reading about, too, it seemed like uh, most of that activity was focused on one particular person as well. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the more, well, I, I'll do one more kind of monstrous answer, uh, which is that they're spirits of the dead, which is, you know, classic ghost uh, behavior uh, to, to have to do with some sort of unrest amongst uh, the dead. Unfinished um, business. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there was a few like scientific explanations that also gets referenced sometimes in movies when people are trying to explain it without using the supernatural. They'll say it was this or it was that. So one of them is... Um, there was, I think it was a chemist or a physicist described it as maybe coming from ball lightning, like lightning that comes mm -hmm. in these kind of orbs and they see the orbs and some of these poltergeists take the, the form of these like bright orbs. And they thought that could be, it. it's just lightning um, coming in through a storm and the wind and all of that. Um, and the other kind of scientific explanation was seismic activity. 
uh, or or like a house that was built on a fault line. So you'll see stories be like, we were built like right on the edge of, a, or somebody will say, there's no fault line here. Like, where's all this seismic activity coming with? Like that, that would have could have been a, what are the scales for earthquakes? Higher or lower? I don't know. A, a large scale uh, earthquake. I yeah, I think. Well, for I, tornadoes, the higher the number, the worse the tornado is. I so think I think so. it's the same thing with earthquakes, right? Is well, that the higher the number, the more destructive it is. The point is it would be bad. <laughs> and it's I'll just bad. Just look up bad that piece of my vocabulary. Um, so I think hopefully that gives context to both what a poltergeist is and why a poltergeist and is. And why a poltergeist is. <laughs> and, and now we're going to look at some cases of is, <laughs> which is different um, poltergeist happenings that have, that have occurred. Um, Madrin, do you want to kick us off with one? Yeah, I was reading about this girl named Julie who lives in um, India. And now, so the article that I was reading originated in 2009, but then they updated it in 2018. So I wonder if this poor girl has been haunted oh, by no. her poltergeist for almost 10 years now. Um, but in the, the story that I was reading is that... Uh, every single day this girl's belongings just get ripped to shred her mm. clothing her shoes her books and it's by some unknown force nobody has any idea why it happened and so sometimes it, it it happens that this girl has just been wearing her clothes for just a few hours and she has to change her clothes because it's all been ripped to shreds mm. and so of course at first when it first started happening her parents thought that she was acting out or trying to play a joke on them so of course they punished her and of course and she pleaded her innocence so as a precaution they took all of her clothes and they locked them up in a box mm. and sure enough the next day when she went to get dressed her clothes were all shredded up even though they were inside this box That's and awesome. it keeps happening well not for her. her it's just awesome as a <laughs> and, supernatural and apparently it keeps happening to her too like apparently in over the time that she's been haunted by this poltergeist her family has moved mm -hmm. and it has come with her see and i think this is further evidence to the idea that poltergeist is tied to an individual and right. not to a space um which i think is really interesting and um, then i was reading another one this one i was actually it was so heartbreaking that in Australia, over the course of four months, it was, now it was all the members of a household. So I don't know if it was directed at any one particular one of them, because of course they all lived there at the time. Um, but over the course of four months, things like pebbles from their driveway would all of a sudden start pouring down on them inside the house. Mm. Um, knives would go hurling across the room, uh, batteries, I guess, were flung at them uh, a couple of times. Then after a while, the pebbles that were being dropped across uh, from the ceiling started to spell out words. Oof, that wouldn't be fun. <laughs> no, and it as the words were being spelled out, it was things like car, fire, help. And then mm. finally it wrote out the word Troy. Mm. And Troy was a friend of theirs who had died in a car fire Oof. several months beforehand. Yeah. So then they were like, is this Troy trying to talk to us? Or uh -huh. is this something that Troy encountered after he died? Like nobody could ever really figure it out. Um, but then just as we were talking about before, just 
in the same way that these things started happening to these people after four months, boom, just one day it stopped happening mm -hmm. and they've never experienced it again. Wow. Um, I've got a couple of stories here. The first one is uh, in Chilliwack, BC. So it's more local to us, <laughs> other side of uh, Canada. But um, so this is in 1951. Um, Miss Anna Dariba um, and her um, uh, 14 year old niece lived in this house and they started experiencing these very loud bangings in the house all over on the walls and it was apparently so loud it shook the house like it sounded like a jackhammer uh, and there was three separate articles about this in their local newspapers there's the initial one a week later of like it's still happening and then later they they sent like an anglican um priest to come deal with it um but she said that during the experience, she lost like 20 pounds just from the distress Ooh. that it was causing her, like from not being able to sleep. And um, <laughs> there was an interesting, I read uh, the newspaper clippings and I think it was in the first or the second one. She said she she was just getting so sick of it and, and didn't believe in ghosts. Like she thought that somebody in the neighborhood was pranking her, like just trying to mess with her. And so she fired a shotgun twice into the raspberry bush. And immediately afterwards, there was more banging. It's just kind of like, ah, you can't even get it. Like, I, I hopefully, you know, it wasn't a person or something, but just like, can't fight what, back. what can you do? And, um, yeah. you know, it, it just kept going. And she sent her 14 year old niece to live in Vancouver. Um, and it's just, it just kept evolving from there. I, I'm not sure if they moved in the end because um, the clippings ended with the, the, like the pastor coming to, I hopefully like clean this space and they were talking about the difficulty of like these things happen but how will we ever you know actually build any history of them happening because nobody takes anybody seriously like it's hard to actually find any evidence of this stuff uh, I guess spiritually or scientifically um and there was another one that was um quite famous um which is the Enfield poltergeist in the UK apparently this story ended up going into a conjuring two if anybody wants to look at that um, but the, the basic premise uh, of this story, like the real life story is um, Peggy Hodgson, who's like a single mom of, of four kids, similarly heard all of these loud noises coming from her daughter's bedroom. Um, and, and like when she went in to tell them, like, go to sleep, like stop fighting and making all this noise, the kids were like hiding in the corner and said that the, the chest of drawers had been moving towards the door on its own. And they're just like super afraid. Um, apparently it was an 18 month period where this went on. So very long for poltergeist, but there, that's why there was so much evidence racked up for it. Um, there's some famous paranormal researchers, uh, named Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, but it just got more and more drastic. There was the, the most kind of deadly, I mean, the, the classic, like moving chairs and all of that stuff, moving furniture, but there was one case of a curtain wrapping around their neck, which I thought Ooh. was like a very like scary image of like being strangled by the poltergeist. Um, and they said the young girl, like one of the kids, I guess, would go into a trance-like state um, where they would speak in like deep scratchy voice. And a lot of people would say like, okay, these kids are like fabricating a lot of the story because it became kind of a public phenomenon playing out in, into the public. Um, but she would claim to be the ghost of a man named Bill Wilkins who had died in the house. And it was later proven that there was a man named Bill Wilkins who had uh, died of a hemorrhage while sitting in the living room. 
and like that ghost would reportedly talk through the kid for hours at a time and i just think it's just like one of those things you're like oh my god <laughs> um, oh see those are that's exactly the kind yeah. of ghost story that i'm super super into where it was yeah. like oh it there's no way that this kid could have known about this guy and like what his full name is and that he died in right. that house really and nailed she the volunteered she volunteers that information before anybody could even suggest it to her mm -hmm. and it's only after the fact that people find out that that really was a person i love it it is a fantastic third act reveal <laughs> uh from uh real life um so those are some famous happenings of poltergeists and hopefully we've given you a good idea of that we're going to take a quick break and when we get back, uh, we're going to dig into some pop culture of poltergeist and uh, go through the spooky spectrum. Welcome back to Monstrology. Um, I got a bunch of movies, Madrin. I uh, have some shocking. weird- uh, Shocking development. Will likes movies. Um, I have some weird ones. I have some um, kind of more Hollywood movies. I don't watch a lot of straight up, I would say jump scare movies, which is unfortunate in this sense because I think poltergeists probably do lend themselves very well to this type of movie. Um, so I believe that these films are poltergeist films and they are supposed to be quite good. So the Insidious franchise Conjuring 2, which I talked about um, from the happening earlier, and Paranormal Activity. And I would say these are all actually very good examples of that. It's just not my style of film. I like kind of different stuff, um, I guess more like playful. I like horror, but it's just, I, I like it when there's a bit more of, um, I don't know, an analogy to the film or like a deeper meaning to the film, which <laughs> speaking of deeper meanings in the film, I'll start with, I watched Ghostbusters Afterlife, <laughs> um, which I actually think- oh, I haven't seen that yet. It was really, uh, I, I thought it was really fun. It It is inherently kind of fan service. Um, and I don't think it spoils the premise because it's pretty obvious from the get-go that the family is, um, like Harold, Harold Ramis died and his mm -hmm. character, uh, Spiegler, Spiegler, um, he- Spangler. Spangler, thank you. He um, apparently, like they say in the years since the original Ghostbusters, he kind of like went crazy and lives at this old uh, dirt farm in the middle of nowhere next to this big mountain. And he like uh, it blew up a lot of his friendships or whatever. And there's a family with his uh, daughter that he, abandoned to deal with this like apocalypse situation and their kids and they inherit the house and so they go to move to this dirt farm because he's died and they start basically inheriting the ghostbusters legacy like they find the car they oh, find the okay. equipment um and they have to and and the granddaughter is very much like him like she has a lot of features like even like matching glasses it's really good pr for science being cool <laughs> the best like science is cool movies i've seen in a long time um and i think a lot of the ghostbusters movies are a good example of poltergeist i can think of the scenes where things move around in the library like floating books so i think it's the original and in the lady ghostbusters uh re remake um, which I also liked because of the ensemble, but I, I love that this film picks up the legacy of the originals because I just miss a lot of those characters and what they were doing. And I think that's really fun. Um, so I highly recommend it. 
it's a little bit fan servicey, but I think it's still uh, endearing. And I don't think it compromises the like integrity of the script. I think they've been trying to come up with a good story for a long time to match the original ones. And it, it's also kind of heartwarming. Like you see generations of this, it's directed by um, Jason Reitman, uh, Ivan Reitman's mm-hmm. son. son. And so yeah. there's kind of like a very sweet thing of like him picking up that legacy and carrying it forward, picking up like the Ramis legacy, like having, I, I don't know, I, I thought it was um, quite well done and I'm glad they did it. It's not necessarily necessary, but I think it is a nice kind of like epilogue to um, the original films. Um, so I recommend that. That's the most like Hollywoody movie that I got. Um, there on the flip side, there's a super weird art film that I actually, I think probably a lot of directors in Hollywood would have seen it maybe influenced other films that were made after it called House. It is a um, Japanese film by Nobuhiku Ubayashi. And the premise of it is that there's these girls, they all have like very archetypal, it's like a very much made for me, the style of movie. They, they all have archetypal names. So the protagonist girl is called uh, Gorgeous. There's one called Kung Fu. There's one called Mac that's always eating. They all have, there's six of them. <laughs> and and they, they all play out these different tropes and archetypes. And it's, it's like the nicknames they have for each other as schoolgirls. So it kind of plays too. Um, but the premise is that the protagonist, whose name is Gorgeous, her father um, was in the war. And around that time, uh, she used to visit with her aunt at this house in the middle of nowhere on this like uh, kind of um, not farmland, but like on the countryside. And um, her mother died years ago. And he comes back from some sort of business trip and brings a new like stepmom, like a potential, like, this is your new mom. And she's like, ah, I hate this. I'm going to the country house where our aunt used to live. Um, and of course the house is, is haunted. Um, and what it does well, which kind of subverts the poltergeist trope of being like invisible is you actually meet the aunt right away. So she's like, welcome to the house. It's so nice. I've missed you. And like starts giving a tour. But the film is like, it has all these animate, it's very um, progressive in the style of it being shot. So there's like stop motion, animation, like digital was new and it all really works. And there's points that are like, just nuts. Like if somebody gets eaten by a piano and like, there's also, it's playful, like it's funny, but there is still some moments of horror where you can tell that people are dealing with these really graphic imageries and like, seas of blood i just can see from going back and watching that film it's 1977 that i can see it like rippled into other movies which is really cool even though it was kind of bonkers i guess it was so bonkers that everybody had to watch it um and i highly recommend it um imagine there's a film that uh, you and i both watched this week do you want to talk a little bit about that well actually i watched it just before halloween because oh. i i went on this kick of like oh i haven't seen a lot of these, uh, you know, you know, like make or break the genre, you know, redefining the genre kind of scary right. movies. And so I, I, that was part of my, I like to watch some scary movies when, as we're coming into October into Halloween. So this year I went with um, The Shining, Jaws, The Exorcist, and then of course, 
poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going into it, I was like, oh, this is like an almost 40 year old movie. Is this really going to hold up? And it absolutely does. I loved it. Like I would, I loved that movie now if it was, if it had come out now. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know the whole premise is that there's this new subdivision that's being built and the guy who's the head salesperson, he and his family have been living in the show home. Like he's the first person or they're the first family in the neighborhood. Uh, and then all of a sudden these weird things start happening as, uh, you know, as they've been living there. So at first it's really amusing things like the chairs in the kitchen start moving and things mm-hmm. like that. And then things get a little scarier, right? Like their youngest little girl, Carol Ann, uh, that's, you know, the very famous shot where it's just the static on the TV and she's got her hands on the TV and she mm-hmm. goes, they're here. Yeah. And things get scarier and worse. And she gets sucked into this new otherworldly realm through her closet and disappears for weeks on end. And actually that's part of the, the reason why I loved this story so much is that it wasn't about jump scares. It wasn't about trying to really terrorize the, this thing. What it was really about was that this girl has gone missing and her family knows that she's technically somewhere in the house and they spend so much time trying to get her back. And it's really about the love that a family has for, for one another mm-hmm. as they're desperately trying to get this little girl back. Mm-hmm. And then as, as, as a sci-fi fantasy, scary movie nerd, I really appreciate that that movie established a lot of what is now iconic stuff uh, mm-hmm. in in some of these movies? Like they're the ones who invented that spinning room th- to make it look like the yeah. mom is being dragged up up the wall and across the ceiling mm-hmm. and back down again. Like that it's, shot is really cool. The, um, the Inception rotating space, yeah, in the hallway and all that, yeah, yeah. And and they came up with the uh, you know the guy looks in the mirror and his face is melting off like that mm-hmm. special effect. And then at the very very end, the house collapses in on itself. Mm-hmm. I knew and, that from this from Simpsons Treehouse I of that Horror. From the Simpsons yeah. originally, and yeah. it was funny as we were watching this movie. I literally said out loud, "Oh, that's what that's from." Yeah. And my husband just laughed at me because of the course, power of the Simpsons. Before, right? yeah. Um. I appreciated all of that. I, I think I've said this before, which is a, a, a bit crazy for monsters, but I'm kind of hit and miss with Spielberg because his movies are so pretty that sometimes it drives me crazy. Like it's a little bit too studio. Like the lighting is a bit too nice. And I just want it to be like a bit messier, I guess, like aesthetically. Um, but I did really appreciate, I think he was the one who pitched the story and the idea, even though he didn't direct it, like he was a part of producing the film. Yeah, he wrote the story, I think. Um, yeah, and I think it was a part of, I have to go through his involvement. I think it was kind of off and on, but he does a lot of, he's involved in a lot of stuff and you can see his kind of stamp, I think, in part of it, even not throughout. Um, but I loved at the beginning, even the like very human metaphor of like, that with the neighbors, their TV remote turns on the other TVs. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of little nice, like human things, um, little images that pop up in the film that are not necessarily supernatural, but they have that like somebody else controls something in your house. At the very end of the film, there's just this long um, kind of zoom out that you start seeing uh, street lights in the reflection that look like the same like poltergeist orbs that appear earlier. So it's just like they're present in everyday life. There's all these little things that I thought were really clever because it looks like somebody clearly did the research of 
not just what a poltergeist is, but like the fear they represent. And I always think that's really cool. So I appreciated that in the movie a, a lot. Um, there is, you talked about Australian poltergeists. There's a film uh, that was, it came out in 2014 that I really love called uh, Babadook. If you haven't seen Babadook, it's really fun. Um, it's a little bit scary also. Uh, it's, there's a uh, problematic little boy and his mother like receives a book outside their front door called the Babadook, which is like this kind of scary black and white illustration of a, a man wearing like a, um, a top hat with like scary eyes and these kind of like claw hands. And um, so the book comes in and they read it. And they're like, oh, this is so scary. Let's get rid of it. They try destroying the book. And at a certain point, like the boy who has always kind of been trouble and in a way, like, I think there's a scene where if the, if the mother doesn't say like, I wish you were dead, like there was the implication that like the, the kid is so annoying and difficult that like, she doesn't know what to do with him anymore. Like, I think he gets into a fight at school or something. Um, but then of course, like the, the Babadook, you, you start seeing like it hanging up on the back of the door or like shadows. You very, very rarely see the monster. It's really well done in terms of the like pacing of, of the actual fear of it. Um, it is like, I'd say defined as a poltergeist, like the doors opening and closing, floating. There's a point where somebody has like glass in their food, like that it's been like little destructive things. Um, and I won't spoil the ending, even though it's been out for a little while, but I just think sometimes the third act reveal of these movies are just like really satisfying. And if you know it, like it, it loses some punch. Um, but I thought it was really great. Um, <laughs> one last movie and then we'll move on um but i i the the very first movie that i thought of was beetlejuice um and i've seen it a couple times i didn't rewatch it this week beetlejuice is interesting because i think he's a lot of things um but at one point i think he's defined as part-time poltergeist and a bio exorcist meating that he gets rid of humans inside a house because that's the thing right. with beetlejuice I is it starts now, with yeah. this like family who died in a house who's trying to get rid of the new family that moved into the house and so they use Beetlejuice as an unlikable and problematic kind of creature to scare the people out of the home that they're living in um it's a bit more it's not necessarily a traditional poltergeist because he hits so many different categories but I think he does he he has many of the poltergeist features let's say well, um, and I also, to my recollection too, it, it's Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin who played mm -hmm. the the couple who had died, who are trying to get rid of the humans. Mm -hmm. They try to expel that family by haunting them themselves, mm -hmm. but they actually don't. They like they have trouble moving stuff around the house. Yeah, they're not like, very they're, good at it. They're not, and I think it, and I think that that goes back to what we were talking about before: is that typically poltergeists are malevolent. Mm -hmm. So it's not that they are are bad people who are trying to really terrorize this family they just mm -hmm. want this family to move out so they can have their house back so i think maybe that is part of it as well too is that like we see an example of nice ghosts and mm -hmm. then we see beetlejuice who is actually like he's gross and he's it's he's creepy and like and he yeah. hits on the 13 year old girl a lot yeah. which is like it's gross yeah but that's kind of the whole thing like it's a part of what he it, he is not he is a utility. They, they did a cartoon too with a Beetlejuice mm -hmm. and he's a little bit tame, like tamer, but he's still not 
pleasant. Like he has to do a couple of those things that are inherently like evil to, I think, gain his credibility as being bad. <laughs> um, but there is something to say. Even yeah, though, like, like even even the other ghosty, creepy creatures in the afterlife, they are like, do not hang out with him. Mm -hmm. It's bad news. He's bad news. So, <laughs> so like when the when the other people who run the afterlife tell you that this guy is bad news and you mm -hmm. should not be around him, then you should but know in that, that that's pretty significant. I have like memories of the animated show. I used to love all the like Halloween style cartoons. Like there used to be a Ghostbusters cartoon as oh, well. Right. There's these Scooby-Doo yeah. like seasonal specials. And I think that the Winona Ryder character, who I can't remember the name of now, but Lydia, like the, Lydia, thank you. The daughter and Beetlejuice are kind of friends. Like they become more of a duo in the TV show. It's yeah, established right. in, in the film in the that they, they form a friendship, but it's really like those two that are the animated series. And I think that's very poltergeisty too, right? She's the the vessel or the host or whatever for right. for the poltergeist to to do things even though he has his own physical form which they wouldn't usually have yeah yeah but um, you're definitely right like in the animated series they really toned down mm -hmm. the lecherousness of yes Beetlejuice yeah because they aimed it at children right? yeah, yeah which I mean it's probably good but for a film it, it makes it more menacing when he crosses like human lines also yeah um so that's what I got on on the movies uh, there is a Netflix show uh, called The Haunting of Hill House that's supposed to be quite excellent. I did not have time to watch it all before recording this, but it is now on my uh, list and I uh, look forward to watching that. I've heard great things from people and I have clarification um, <laughs> that it is in fact a poltergeist and not just uh, ghosts. Uh, there's some overlap there. Now, uh, let's get into some other pop culture because there's some... Uh, games and some weird stuff that I found. Uh, do you want to jump in with anything uh, here, Imagine? Uh, well, you know, you were talking about the TV series on Netflix. There was, I can't believe I missed this when it first came out. There was a TV series in the mid 90s called Poltergeist The Legacy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it sounds like it's totally my jam. And also, shout out, it's Canadian. <laughs> um, but the, I guess the whole premise of it is that it is a a roughly it is a spinoff of the poltergeist movie in that in the poltergeist movie the family contacts this this woman who is from this society who uh, to help them exercise the poltergeists from their house so she comes in with a team of people to record the phenomenon and, and start doing that and so apparently mm. she is from quote the legacy mm. so that is where poltergeist the legacy the tv series came from is that basically it was a group of people who collected artifacts, uh, books, they would solve paranormal, paranormal problems in the world. And then, and so they branched out into other houses as is they got bigger. Is this associated with the film Poltergeist? Like, is it the same uh, As far IP? as I can tell, it's, yeah, I mean, as far as I can tell, it is associated with the movie in that, like I said, in the movie, the family in the house hires this group mm -hmm. of paranormal investigators. Mm -hmm. And this is supposed to be like, they were either like the original right. or, or like they, they were part of that, that same society, mm -hmm. but they make absolutely no mention of the, like of the Craig T. Nelson movie right. in this TV show. But yeah, yeah apparently it ran for four seasons and it sounds like it's totally my jam. So I'm going to try to find it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, there's lots of kind of good comedy about like ghosts or happenings or paranormal experiences. It's just a lot of those either Scooby-Doo's it where it's just a normal human being and it's not what it actually is. Um, 
or like it's just not necessarily a poltergeist but you see this trope of like now it's become so popular of paranormal investigators go into i guess because of the boom of how successful ghostbusters was you see a lot of um lower budget really funny comedians doing that type of thing um <laughs> speaking of offshoots from ghostbusters one of my absolute favorite franchises of video games is luigi's mansion which I had on GameCube, and I have the more recent Luigi's Mansion 3, which features Gooigi, which is Luigi if he was made of goo. I can't remember, <laughs> if, I've, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast, but if I have, then you just get double Luigi's Mansion. Um, I just love talking about Luigi's Mansion. In the first one, um, Luigi gets a letter saying that he inherited, or that he won a mansion in a contest, and he goes, I didn't submit to any contest but okay i'll go collect my mansion and um it's like there's boos there which are the scary ghosts in mario and king boo and i was thinking about this actually that i would say the boos are poltergeists because they sneak up on you they're invisible they can bite or hit or hurt you and they are often attached to you they follow you around so just a thought about the boos um but it's like Professor E. Gad is there. And he's like this little tiny man who gives you all these different devices like Ghostbusters. And you get a, a vacuum. And the vacuum is called the Poltergust. And in different <laughs> uh, games, there's, I think, the Poltergust 3000 is in the first one. I think it's maybe 7000 in the sequel. I can't remember what they are in the new one. Um, but I love the like poltergeist vacuum that he walks around. I mean, it's it very clearly, it's just like ripping off Ghostbusters, uh, but I love it. And it's uh, <laughs> Ghost uh, Luigi. Um, there's also, it's time for Madrin's favorite segment of the show, Pokemon of the week. Yay! <laughs> oh, I've converted you. Um, <laughs> there's a Pokemon <laughs> called Poltegeist. Uh, of course. Which is a teapot ghost Pokemon. Why um, a teapot? Because it's so tiny that it haunts the teapot and it looks like the teapot, but it's kind of like purple and goes over the edges of the teapot. It's also very much tea, I think, just because they can say Poltegeist instead of Poltergeist. It's great. Uh, you got to get on board with it. He has lots of attacks, but in one of the definitions, it says that the Poltegeist attacks by shooting tea at its enemy's mouth, causing them strong chills when swallowed, which is funny. And so the only Pokemon in the game that has an attack named Tea Time, which I assume is that. Um, it's a great character design, funny little joke. I'm a sucker for funny little ghost jokes, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, the last thing that I've got is there was a music video that created this kind of insane fan theory that I love. It was for Adele. There's a music video called- Oh my God, I was reading about this too. Easy yeah, on yeah, me. yeah, go ahead. And so yeah, yeah, I tried yeah. to look it up and it seems like, I don't know if it was the original intention, but um, it's directed by Xavier Dolan, who's this phenomenal Canadian director. Uh, he did a film called Mommy, which I love. It is not a monster movie, but it's really good. Um, he's done these kind of like French Canadian films. Um, and he did the music video for Adele's Hello. And then five years later, after their lives, they kind of evolved a lot. He's relatively young. He did a film, um, a, a music video for uh, Easy On Me. And it's interpreted in two ways by the internet. One is that it's her divorce and she's like leaving this house throughout. And there's a lot of like tracking shots and paper flying all over the place. 
but somebody lined out very well in an article how it's not just like leaving a person behind she could very clearly be leaving behind a poltergeist like that she had lived in this old rundown house with this poltergeist and she's asking it to like go easy on her like stop following me around I have like I have to move on with my life I can't take the baggage of you with me and I thought it was really uh fun to, to look at well, the yeah, music video like, a through lot of that the arguments, a lot of the arguments are quite compelling in that the, you you see that the house is just full of overturned furniture there are papers that are flying around yeah, like the imagery, I guess, is quite poltergeisty if you think mm -hmm. of it in that way. Yeah. Speaking uh, of music, mm -hmm. I found a thrash metal band from Switzerland nice. called Poltergeist. Um, so they were around like in the mid 80s to the 90s. And I guess they really only made one album and then they broke up and all the band members went off and they played for other bands. Mm -hmm. But then in 2013, they reunited. Oh, uh, and they put out an album. It sounds very um, Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, apparently it was actually this, the their re reunion album was fairly well received by critics, uh, you know, especially because I guess thrash metal isn't really the most popular. Is it is it a genres. concept album? Like, are they songs about Poltergeist or do they feature any supernatural stuff? Do you know? I Not that... Um, not that I can tell. I mean, it's the name of the band. Right. Um, they were originally called Carrion, mm. and then they were renamed to Poltergeist, mm -hmm. uh, like in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. But I guess maybe the music is the Poltergeist, and it flows through you, and you thrash it up in the Poltergeisty way. So I guess it makes sense for a thrash band to be called that, I guess, just off yeah. the metaphor of what yeah. it is. Um, that's all I got for pop culture. Anything you want to share, Madrin, before we take another little break? Well, yes, I also found two very interesting things. One, there is uh, a roller coaster at Six Flags Fiesta <laughs> okay. in San Antonio, Texas. It's called Poltergeist. And nice. what I thought was really funny is that last year they closed it down so that they could do a refurbishment so like they repainted it so it has a new paint scheme. Uh, they changed up how you line up for it and things like that too. But what was interesting is that one of these new additions is that they've put this stone archway right at the entrance of the ride that has these two, and this is a throwback to a previous episode, these two grotesques mm -hmm. on each side of this stone archway. Mm -hmm. So in all honesty, I think they just threw a bunch of scary sounding things into this ride and it mm -hmm. really doesn't have anything to do with poltergeist. There is, <laughs> to, to go back to uh, Ghostbusters, those grotesques, uh, gargoyles, uh, Zool and the other one, the, the key master and the gatekeeper, whatever the names are, they, they make a reappearance in the new Ghostbusters and it's really awesome. And oh, I will fun. not spoil this, but if anybody has seen the new Ghostbusters, um, uh, the like evil entity, I want to say Gozen, Gozen. Gozer? Uh, Gozer, thank you. I was like, go something. <laughs> the the actress that they get to play Gozer is so perfect. And I was like, is that who I think it is? Oh my God, this is amazing. And they, they use somebody else's voice, but like the look of it is perfect and it matches the original film. Anyway, it it's it's great. I'll, well, maybe we'll talk about it at the break and we'll get back. Sure. Um, I also wanted to throw out there because this goes to the like actual science part of me being a science fiction nerd. There is a planet called poltergeist mm. yes uh, 
Yeah, it's an extrasolar planet that's about 2,300 light years away. Mm -hmm. uh, what little fun factoid, it was one of the first planets discovered outside of our solar system, Ooh. which is pretty cool. Love it's that. four times as massive as the Earth. That's a lot. Uh, and of course, its actual name is like this really long sequence of letters and numbers. Um, but uh, there is the International Astronomical Union, which I, I think in an effort to get the average person more interested in space and science and space exploration and things like that, launched. Uh, basically, it's like a, a, a contest or like a process for naming um, stellar Mm -hmm. objects that are found in, in the world so so yeah that's is that uh there was a contest or or, or like there was a, a process to name this exo uh planet that was found and so that's where poltergeist the name comes from is that it um it was submitted by a planetarium in italy in 2005 so that's that's where the name came from so i thought that was fun that's awesome that's better than having it named like in don't look up or whatever being named after like a doomsday thing <laughs> you know like you don't want somebody's yeah, name like, to be a poltergeist if that turns out to be an ominous planet full of like xenomorphs or something it's like ooh, that's your planet <laughs> it's better to name it something abstract or like I, my first thought was that you know how when when we look at these um solar objects these so uh, you know space phenomenon that like you know you can imagine that you see objects in them like you can you know everybody talked about how there was the man on the moon for so long because mm -hmm. people can see a face in it so first when i was reading about poltergeist the planet i was like oh don't tell me it looks all scary and ghosty oh i hope it does uh well not that i can, not that I can blurry see. blurry distant photos with a little mist uh starry <laughs> mist surrounding it that you'd have to you'd and, have to it, put your spaceship through to get in. It emanates a very scary sound that goes whoa, and you listen to it in space. All right, I, don't know, um, I just made that up. Well, Madrin, I'm getting up my Ouija board, and over the break, I'm going to be using that to try to determine the name of our guest. Uh, as as oh, I did determine God. the booking through a Ouija board, uh, but I just want to make sure that I introduce them correctly. And when we get back, uh, we'll be joined by a uh, real life poltergeist. Um, and hopefully nothing bad happens. We'll find out. All right, so I cracked out the Ouija board uh, and uh, it took a little bit of time, but I do have the name of our guest um, that will be joining us. Um, I, I did it one name at a time and so it was uh, scary. And then I thought, okay, is this scary? Like, am I just getting a, a scary as like a word? Like I should does, be scared? Yeah. No, it's scary. And then I got hairy. So it was scary, hairy. And then I, and then I thought it was done and I started to walk away and then it started, the Ouija started moving on its own. And uh, it also got at the name Barker. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that the full name here is scary, Harry Barker and, uh, Scary, uh, if you're out there, I, I did send an intern to help you with uh, set up equipment. Maybe they, maybe you don't need it because you could have just visited us and you move it yourself, control it yourself. But if you're out there, can you please uh, speak with us? Hello? Hi, is this, is this Harry? Yes, he hello, this is Harry. Ha what, what, what is happening here? Oh, well, 
Uh, I'm Will. Um, there's another person on this. Uh, it's a Zoom call named Madrin. Hello. And, um, and um, we have, con I've, I've reached out to contact you. I, I did try to send you information about this. So hopefully you had some warning, but this is a podcast about uh, all sorts of different beings and, and uh, monsters. Oh, and, and so I just really wanted to get in contact with the, with the poltergeist. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not sure about a lot of these these words that you've been saying. Um, I heard Zoom. I heard <laughs> something about a pod. I am very confused, but I'm so thrilled to be here and talking. I haven't heard my voice in wow. centuries. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, right now I haven't yet seen your form, so you seem to be still. I'm just staring at what seems to be a blank room. There's a couple things like floating imagine the mic is in there i'm mm -hmm. not sure if if is there like a, a scared child in the room with you oh absolutely okay, there so, is so that's the intern that i sent um uh, their name is derek uh derek might be a little bit confused i, I guess we needed a host child uh for you to appear um so yes derek if you can hear me it's probably going to be okay um anyway oh, so yeah you're you're not you're not gonna see that little boy ever again i'm so sorry okay oh. well you know it's not the first time we've lost an intern to one of yeah. our guests so i mean we haven't lost a lot of children um i did reach out to an orphanage though so we might be able to get some more from that same Ooh, orphanage i love um, an orphan oh they're so sad so much to feed off of but feed. Oh, so, feed, so you do say. you feed yeah like what do you feed off of their their emotions or did or them themselves like the actual physical child oh off of their souls honey very mm -hmm. enriching oh, full okay. of protein thick juicy protein yeah it's delicious in fact you should what try it what makes a good what makes a good soul to eat Oh, you know, a soul that's really troubled, you know, you got lots of trauma, a lot of things happening to them, you know, it's really nice when they are kind of on the heavier side as well. So there's even more to feed off of. And usually those are the people that are quite sad. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it is really nice to find those, but the more depressed, the better really for me. Mm -hmm. So body issues is kind of an overlap there. If it's, a, if it's a small rotund child that doesn't feel good about themselves, that's like the ideal snack. You got it. That's it. That's mm. right. Mm -hmm. Um. So, since we're we're talking through this microphone, and you seem to be able to use your your abilities and your gifts to speak through us, I've always wondered, like, what's the deal with poltergeists and electricity? There seems to be this like connection between lots of in, in the movies that we've seen, and this could just be nonsense. But there's a lot of like speaking through TVs or burning, or flickering lights. Flickering lights. What's yeah. up with that? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great question. Now, you know, us ghosts have been us poltergeists. My, my goodness, have been around for a long, long time. And so, when the invention of electricity came by, we were thrilled. Let me tell yeah. you, so excited. Oh wow! Yeah. Because it gave us another medium to connect with the living. You know, it was so hard always having a lift objects all the time you know how much work that is mm -hmm. try lifting a couch by yourself that is oh. heavy so the weight of the object does matter i was wondering about that too like you it's it's harder to lift up a couch by yourself than like a little apple like you of have of course a, i'm not a yeah. superhero it, you know i what? guess yeah 
I don't, I don't have super strength. So let me tell you, appearing through a light bulb is so easy. It's like getting, getting stoned. It feels good. You get mm. tingles all through your body and you get to mm -hmm. scare the living crap out of people. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. In the movie Poltergeist, they describe it like that. Somebody goes through their body and they feel this whoosh of like sensation, feels all kind of warm and fuzzy. Um, yes. Now, that probably is not the feeling that you want to uh, give to people, though. Um, I, it, your, your name seems, your first name is Scary. Is that your, yes. that's, so Harry is the middle name? Or is he, Scary like a, a descriptor of Harry yeah, Bob? Yeah, uh, my, actually, my, uh, my deceased cousin, Billy Bob, now he is frightened by me. Um, I got really upset a lot of the times I have a bad temper. Mm -hmm. And so he just, that's my given name by my, uh, my dead cousin. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, so I used to go by Harold when I was, uh, walking the earth, but mm -hmm. you know, scary Harry had such a zing to it that I kind of liked it. And so mm -hmm. I kept it. Oh, so you were scary in, in your, uh, we should also in clarify your... in your, did you have a, can you tell us a little bit about your human life and in yes. that were you scary before you passed into this kind of alternate uh state of being yes well let me tell you son i'm from a long time ago now all right i was born in them 1800s already uh -huh. so someone like me one of them um people who lacked other uh men was considered to be very scary back then mm, just to clarify I so oh. i spent a lot of my life in hiding unfortunately yeah mm. so i was feared by a lot of people even though my deceased husband thought i was gorgeous but we mm. we were um living in secret for most of our lives uh it was actually quite tragic what happened to me uh if i can remember what happened uh, it's coming back you know i used to love making sweet tea for me and my partner oh, it was our tea. favorite yeah we, we're nice. from the south as you can probably tell and i would always be making him that sweet tea he loved it and now one day he went out to uh, work in the field and I thought it would be nice to make him a, a tall glass for when he came back. And uh, I had to run out of sugar. Oh, it was ridiculous. You know, I need that sugar bowl to be well, full. It's not, it's well, it's not how sweet do you make tea without sugar, sweet right? Sweet tea it's without just, well, sugar, just tea. then it's just tea. Exactly. That's the hidden secret. You got it. So I had to go down to that basement. And let me tell you, that basement is not a nice place to be, but that is where we keep all the sugar. Mm. And so I was heading downstairs and I had forgot that we had some floorboards that needed replacing. It's a very, very old house. And all of the lights, they were just not working and I had no candles. I had nothing. So I thought I'd feel my way downstairs and I done tripped on one of them floorboards, tripped down the stairs, falling down, broke my neck. Oh, oh no. Horrible, that, horrible That must day. have been really scary. I mean, it was. You should have seen the look on my face when I was dead. Well, I mean, I can't show you, but if did you, you did you it, did you come out of your own body and see your own face after you fell? I did. I did. Wow. It was Ooh, quite a moment, and I said, "Wow, I look old." That's what I look like. It was it was a really upsetting <laughs> experience. What, what age were you at the time, or did you just age rapidly, or did you look old? Oh no, I was in my thirties. Okay, you just looked really old. Yeah, I, I said, "What the hell is that? <laughs> is that is that a wrinkle?" Oh, I thought I had perfect skin. Uh, maybe. This... Well, I mean, this seems like it was back before sunblock was really a. Mm -hmm. a um, mm. part maybe... of, of everyday routine, you know. So. Yeah, we had a lot of sunburns back then. Mm. Well, you, yeah, you. I I would assume that you you haven't aged since then. Are, are you able? Do you have a physical form that you can 
that you can share with us or is it just gonna like drive me to madness is this kind of a dangerous question to ask yeah if i were you i probably would not look at my face your face okay. might melt off if you look okay at me. Yeah, yeah we did see and i've seen this in a couple films of poltergeist people kind of like ripping their own face off and oh, I, that's I, common. That I, is common i'd rather not um you know i, I just feel like a lot of actors uh, are used to getting, you know, some work done and some plastic surgery done, but I'd rather not oh, be one yes. of those people. And and certainly, uh, I I don't want to go through the excruciating pain or fear. Uh, so let's just skip that, and I'll stick to speaking with you through. We'll through, just we'll uh, just talk to a floating that would, entity. That's that probably would be wise. Best. I would recommend that. Thank yeah. you, thank you for protecting our mental and physical well-being. Oh, mm -hmm. of course, sweet pea. You know, I just now, you know. I, yeah, go ahead, honey. Oh, you're just you're just so nice to us. It seems like I, I'm wondering if you know a lot of what I've heard is that poltergeists have like kind of like a rumbling rage. And so, do you haunt those who maybe would have persecuted you while you were alive? Do you have any connection? You said you you and your partner weren't very you know welcome in in your society, and you just like that. It it seems like a great injustice, and I wonder you seem quite nice to us who is it that you haunt like who is it that you oh that's a great question really anybody who makes a anybody. good cup okay. of steep tea actually oh. it's, it's uh it's kind of been my thing uh anybody that i see enjoying a nice tall glass of tea it just really grinds my gears you know now, i'm thinking i would love a sip of that but unfortunately it, i cannot does it matter how sweet it is Oh, God, no. If you put a spoonful of sugar in there, you put 12, I'm going to haunt you just the same, let me tell oh, you. Wow. But what if there's no sugar? Oh, you can drink that. I don't care. That's not sweet tea. I don't. Uh, you, you can drink your unflavorful tea. That's haunting enough. Okay. Mm. Wow. That person has enough problems. They don't need to be haunted exactly. by a poltergeist. Exactly. That's right? what I'm saying. But if yeah. I see it, ooh, do I get angry and I start throwing teapots, especially oh. them expensive ones. Oh, uh -huh. I love throwing a teapot. Ooh. What's What's the most expensive thing you've ever destroyed? Oh, that is a great or question. Or most valuable, maybe, let's just say. Absolutely. There was this one lady, she just come back from that New York City. She went to that Tiffany's, Tiffany Co. She bought this oh, yeah. gorgeous teapot. Now, it had a glisten. It was shiny. I picked it up, had some good weight on that. And that, I smashed that. Uh, that was probably worth a couple houses at least. Wow. Oof, that felt good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it seems like destroying property is quite cathartic for you. Oh, yeah, it feels great to get your rage out. You shatter some glass, you shatter some teapots. Sometimes you hit a person or two. It's fantastic. And then you have, feel great after. Have you ever heard of a rage room? I guess this question is also for Madrin. Do you know those rage rooms where- I, it, I've never seen one in real life, but I have heard of them, yes. I'm not sure if, if you've heard about this before, uh, Scary Harry, but it's a room where where humans go into and they, they pay a certain amount of money and you can just destroy everything in the room and you can let out all your feelings of rage. And oh. honestly, I find that very relatable. Like I, I haven't done it, but I feel like it would be a very cathartic experience. And so I, I feel like I, I can relate to your wanting to destroy the the teapot that must yeah, be yeah absolutely cool you know if they have any openings for bookings i have a couple poltergeist friends we would love to have a little oh. party there actually someone is celebrating his 2000th birthday oh would be wow. a really nice surprise yeah that would be yeah. a nice uh, way to celebrate that milestone i think you might need so. to find some sort of human host um 
I don't know. Imagine is it uh, like corrupt of me to refer him to the orphanage of, of, of to Derek's orphanage? Well, I mean, we've already gone down the road of being willing to sacrifice orphans for the sake of our interview subjects. So, I mean, why just stop at one? Yeah. Oh, orphans are fantastic. I would love that. You know what? Everyone would love that. It would be a really wonderful birthday present, actually. I'm going to keep that in mind. Okay. Well, um, fresh orphans. Uh, I'm, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the address into the Ouija board and hopefully that can, you know, make it to you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Right. I'm doing it right now. Are you, you getting it? <laughs> oh, I just got it. There we go. All right. All clear. And it looks like it is written out in, okay. oh God, you need to work on your handwriting, sir. That is not Yeah, it's nice. not, well, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of, you know, sliding a thing over, but I'm glad to see that it comes over in scratchy writing. I also put a little dot, dot, dot at the end for mood, um, but I don't know if that was necessary. I saw that. I saw that ellipsis and I appreciated it. But, um, you know, I'm a poltergeist. I'm not blind. All right. Okay. I can see. Fair enough. We can't see you, but you can very much see us. Absolutely. Um, so I feel like I'm getting a better sense of who you are and where you're coming from. But do you have like an end goal as a po poltergeist? A lot of ghosts that I read about seem to to pass, if you had wanted to, there was something that you have to do in this kind of purgatory state. Is there anything that's like a goal or do you like where you're at? Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would really love someone to offer me up like a huge vet of tea. I feel like if I could just soak my whole little entity in a big barrel of sweet tea and soak up all that sugar, then maybe I could just kind of pass on over. But you know, I really don't mind haunting. It really does fuel me. So I do think that maybe a few thousand more years will do. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I can transition into the ether after that but for now i'm very content spooking and and uh you know haunting a lot of these a lot of these children and, and folk as you said i guess the progression of technology really just keeps adding spice to the the haunting game right Spooking oh absolutely with a, scaring somebody with a candle it's like well they're just not paying attention a single candle goes out there's I mean, they could miss all the hard work that you're, you're putting into that. Oh, I, I absolutely. About, you know, TV shows where there's hundreds of ghosts hidden and no one even noticed, right? But in nowadays, you know, that we rely so much on electricity and uh, technology, you know, they're going to get the message. You know, oh, it's going to come, come yes. and I guess, more and more for you to work with as time mm -hmm. goes on. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there is nothing like spooking somebody in the middle of their favorite Netflix show, let me tell you. Oh, oh it feels amazing. What, is, what does that look like? Oh, you know, like somebody will be watching that Nailed It show, be making a cake, and then boom, <laughs> I will jump out of that TV and I will slap you across the face for watching that nonsense. Yeah. Is it a cake or is it a poltergeist? And then, you know, it could be a real scary moment. Absolutely. Oh, it is fantastic. Oh, but you know, it's just, it's just so fun popping out of TVs. I love popping out of laptops Some people are on them work meetings and now mm. everybody is home these days. I don't know what is going on. People are dying everywhere from this flu. I have no idea. And so everyone is home and ready to be haunted. It's fabulous. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. There's not a lot of people out place. So is it easier for you to haunt in a home? I would say so, yeah, because I can travel through the currents. Um, mm. I can go through them wires. Um, so I would say that does make it nice and easy. But, you know, when them there's power outlet, uh, um, power shortages happen, it makes it tough. I got to travel on foot and I get tired very quickly. Oh, so you choose to walk 
Or is this just a part of your existential tortures? You must walk from place to place. Well, I mean, a poltergeist got to get some exercise too, don't That's you true. know? I mean, I can't be, you know, just floating everywhere. I mean, you know, I got to use them two ghost feet, feet that I've been given. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. Well, I still, you know, I'm just imagining it now, but sometimes when I imagine ghosts, they just got kind of like a swoop at the lower body, just a big old swoop. And it sounds like you've got, you know, bunch of fooey that is a bunch of pish posh ah oh actually you know what that one little casper boy actually he's the one exception okay but um, that's more of a deformity than a yeah, than a feature poor boy oh yeah he is ridiculed among the poltergeist community let me tell you we do well, not like him he puts on a brave face he seems very friendly but he's I guess. lying he's lying yeah he's just but he's called casper the friendly ghost it's a big yeah. facade but so big far drinker, big i have drinker. to say we're, we're speaking right now, imagine, with scary Harry Barker. That's and, true, and so and, far he's not been very scary at all. Yes, not that that's a threat. Uh, please don't scare us, but you see, I guess we can't judge a book by its cover in that way. That's um, true, well, but neither of you better be drinking some tea, because if you do, I'm going to be coming through this microphone, I'm going to be haunting the shit out of both of you. Uh, no, I just have plain water at the moment. I do, I do sometimes... In my Lando Calrissian glass, if you can yes, see it. Um, yeah, sometimes I do drink tea, so I'm glad I didn't today because uh, I do want to continue to make episodes of this podcast and be very difficult if I uh, suffered a uh, human demise. Yes, um, you are a smart cookie. That was a, a very smart move because I probably would not kill you. Yeah, I mean, this happens. Mm -hmm. Look, I, I'm flattered in a way. Uh, you're not the first guest to tell me that I would die in, in the act of speaking with them. Um, so it's, it is in many ways a real privilege uh, to be able to, to speak with you. It's, it's a bit like Madryn, um, those, those movies where somebody goes to those jail and they speak with, with maddened inmates that would rip them apart at, the, at, at a moment's notice. Um, I, I feel very privileged to be able to speak with all of our guests. And they're a lot uh, nicer than the typical um, psychopath, too. Oh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. all these Hollywood, these movies, they paint us to be such bad people. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have killed hundreds and hundreds of people, but I don't oh. have to be glorified. I don't need a red carpet, people walking down the street getting trophies. I mean, come on, we don't need this. Well, it's, it's the circle of life. And I think, you know, or it's the circle of the afterlife. And maybe I'll keep this in mind for future episodes. Whereas we, we have realized after a little while that we cannot judge the morality of what it is that you need to do, because we can only understand that, you know, if I was to get in a fight with a bear, the bear wouldn't care what I am. The bear would just kill me because that's what a bear does. Like, I, we can't no, judge you for exactly. killing human living people. That's just what you do. It's in my nature. I mean, you know, we we have a place and we need to be fulfilled. And if that's how I have to, to live my afterlife, then that is how I'm darnest going to do it. Mm. That's good. Well, I'm, I'm very happy for you. I, I'm glad that you found peace in this state uh, and, and that you can channel your frustrations a, a, as you are meant to um, into, into a proper state. Oh, it, it does. Uh, you know, I am getting a bit tired of the routine, but I do think that I'm probably happier than I was before. I mean, you know, when I was living, I'd have people with pitchforks showing up my door every second day. It was exhausting. Mm -hmm. Now nobody knows, where, nobody knows where to find you. I mean, you can go wherever you want. Exactly. Do, do you ever get a little bit lonely? Or I guess you, you've always got someone to possess. 
Yeah, that's true. You know, I do like to have possessions, but you know, we do have a poltergeist committee, and oh. uh, I am I am a, a, a chair member. Oh, I do wow. sit on the board, and so we we do have social Thursdays. Okay. Um, and it is really thrilling to be a part of such a fantastic community. You know, uh, people coming from all over, uh, searching for different things. Uh, you know, like think of like an AA meeting, uh -huh. um, but a lot more people just kind of going ooh in the background. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah. is, is that like an ooh, like, wow, that was so cool. Ooh. Yes, yes. We're a lot <laughs> of ooh and ah, and yeah, we're just really fan, uh, really uh, amazed by these stories. Wow. It's really, it's really wonderful to well, hear. They are truly life-changing stories. So, Literally. So do you, as part of your committee, I mean, you say that, that poltergeists come from all over. Does that mean that Perhaps you know some of the more famous poltergeists that we were talking about earlier in the episode. Like, yes, do you know familiar. the poltergeist that's haunting that girl in India, or like the the Australian poltergeist that was raining rocks down on people? Oh yes, I did hear about those those rock those rock ghosts. They're very earthy. Mm -hmm. very very earthy you know uh they're very grounded they lack the earth mm -hmm. uh but you know i i don't really like to affiliate myself with them you know they're, they're just in it for for the news they're in for, for the media mm -hmm. you know they're not in it for the right reasons they just want publicity you know it's mm -hmm. like come on we're, we're gonna be living forever you don't need people to be talking about you all mm -hmm. the time it's well, some of them worked much. really hard for it i mean i've seen you know some poltergeists over just a month or so get three newspaper clippings about them but none of them really seem to pay off because we never get to see them and in unfortunately a lot of my human um you know relations they don't they don't believe in things that they can't see which you know is its own particular form of nonsense but that's that's what we're dealing with here it's, it's gonna be hard to get pressed for that Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, the media these days is just ridiculous. I mean, I, I can't go haunting nobody without all these cameras and all these flashes going off and mm -hmm. these people all, all trying to break into these old abandoned places and they're called ghost hunters. I mean, come on. I mean, we're just trying to do our thing here. I don't need publicity. Uh, th those days are done. You'd think with all, the, with, with all the misinformation that they share that they could at least uh, share the truth when it's haunting inches from their own face, you know? That's what I'm saying. It's all these stories around make believe. They don't know what's really going on. They don't know what's happening. I have, I have one last question for you um, uh, before we get into uh, a little segment. But you mentioned that in your committee, you, you guys, do you ever pass motions? Is there any motion that you're currently trying to pass that, that the, the poltergeist have to? Poltergeist uh, law, perhaps? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, casual Fridays. Uh-huh. Casual fraud is big one on the table right now. So does that mean um, that you're casual or that that your hauntings are casual? Uh, the hauntings can be a little more casual. Yeah, <laughs> okay. they, they don't have to be so planned. We can kind of just, you know, go in like it can be around happy hour. It doesn't need to be like midnight, two in the morning. That's just too, mm -hmm. too you know, that's in the middle that I'm trying to sleep I here. I don't need to be haunting people in the wee hours of the night. I'd much prefer like a comfortable three o'clock. Mm. It's a lot more reasonable, you know, it, it, summer Fridays, you know, because mm -hmm. I want I want the, those evenings off. Yeah, then you get your weekend plans. Well, absolutely. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Um, and uh, the other thing is um, we're trying to get uh, poltergeist marriage on the table. Oh. There's a lot of controversy and, you know, we can throw a good party. So I'm trying to say here is we need to celebrate the life of the unliving. And we need to be because there are some couples, there's some there's some stuff going on. Let me tell you, it gets now, spicy. Does it 
is some of the issue in this litigation that that a part of marriage is uh, till death do we part and you you're trying to join after death is that has that been something that the that's been a sticking we, point here. Yes, it's good that you mentioned that. We are certainly trying to rewrite the rule book, trying to figure out, you know, some contingencies because, you know, <laughs> what happens in Poltergeist Vegas, let me tell you, it is wow. absolutely <laughs> wild. Bet. The people get possessed there. A uh, lot, lot of crazy things happening. So, you know, we're going to try, we're going to try and figure out them rules. Uh, we have a, a meeting later this evening. So I'm going to be um, really pushing hard for, for us to come to a conclusion on this. Mm. Well, thank you. Uh, now, it's time for a segment on the show that we do where we pitch things. This is the pitching segment. Um, if there's anything in your life, uh, Scary Harry, that you would like to talk about or anything that you got excited about that you want to just tell us about, that's awesome. Uh, let us know. Um, I'll, I'll go first. I'm just, uh, I've got a uh, another podcast that I listen to, and usually I listen to it like largely for the nostalgia. It's called Hawk versus Wolf. It's got... Tony Hawk and Jason Ellis were uh, skateboarders and one of them's a comedian and they, they kind of talk about stories. But a few weeks ago, um, Tony Hawk was doing uh, like a jump and fell and just like annihilated his leg, like had a huge break in his leg. And it was days before a documentary was coming out at South by Southwest about him being an aging skateboarder and how difficult that is, that it's his passion. It's what he wants to do with his life. It's like his whole life is built around that thing. And um, he did the podcast the day after the break in the hospital room. And it's actually very uh, moving. Like it's not so much about the pain of it. It's, it's really fascinating. I think a lot of artists would relate to this. I think people in different professions would relate to this, just that having uh, a passion and knowing your limitations at different stages in your life and it was like I, I was like for, for a show that's a lot of the time kind of like just kind of uh, random doses of nostalgia for me I was like wow this was like really resonant I think it would be for a lot of people so um, check out that podcast and I think uh, I'll see if I can find the name of that episode but I think it's like Tony falls on a stunt or something um, and it was a couple weeks ago which is why like at the Oscars, at some of these award shows, he's been walking around with a cane because you can like barely walk. And he's just like, I mean, a skateboarder. So it's for them, it's like, I'll just get right back up and try it right away. But it's like, the dude's leg was put together uh, weeks ago. Anyway, that's my pitch. <laughs> um, yes, well, uh, you know, as a poltergeist, it, life can get, you know, very, very, uh, as you can imagine, depressing without laughter. So uh, yes. um, there's a couple of shows I'm going to be haunting. Actually, I'm going to be making a little appearance, probably moving some glasses around. Oh. Hopefully they'll be bringing out the sweet tea so I can go possess some bodies. Um, there is a show. Oh, and it's such a fantastic venue. It's old, full of ghosts. So I'm going to be seeing all my pals there. It's called Ooh. the L Macombo. Oh, I uh, love that venue. It's beautiful. It's great. It's perfect for, for haunting little little old souls a lot of people doing a lot of a lot of things on there there's this show it's called gag reflex mm -hmm. gag reflex going to be playing i'll be there uh april 11th that's a monday night which is great because that's my night off uh a lot of other poltergeists got that night off too it's fantastic it's gonna be at eight o'clock it's gonna be lots of people laughing which is perfect you can get direct access right into people's mouths while they're laughing so i will that's be great. there <laughs> Uh, comedy right to the back of the throat it is both a gag reflex and the the performers are, are are you know performing gags and 
using their reflexes, I would assume. Absolutely. Oh, and there's actually one other show. It's one of my favorites in town, uh, in town just because the title is so fun. It's called The Actor's Nightmare. And mm-hmm. talking about nightmares, I mean, hello, full circle <laughs> right here. So that is also a fantastic you're show. The, you're the target demographic. Well, absolutely. I go every, it's once a month. I'm there every month. I, the next show is April 25th. It's also a Monday. Happens to also be another day off for mm-hmm. me. Uh, so I will be there haunting and uh, throwing nightmares to those actors on the stage. Wow. Uh, so lots of, lots of things coming up for me. I'm going to be busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they might get a couple of tomatoes curled at them and think that they're not doing so great, but it might just be you showing your, your enthusiasm. That'll be us in the ghost throwing uh, tomatoes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just finished watching the second season of Space Force oh, on nice. Netflix. Me too. It's uh, Steve Carell and uh, uh, John Malkovich, and it it's it's funny. Like I I think it's really funny to me. I don't really think of John Malkovich as a comedic actor, but he's probably my favorite part of the show. That um, and I really loved the second season especially like I was there were parts of the first season that I enjoyed but really I was just tuning in for Steve Carell and John Malkovich but then in the second season I think um because it's a Greg Daniel show and so like he created The Office and Parks and Recreation and, and shows like that right so he is a master of the workplace comedy but what he specifically is so good at doing is that most of the time a, a, a sitcom a, a comedic series is funny when the main characters are at odds with each other but where he excels is when you have those people come together to work against an external problem. Mm-hmm. And that's really where the second season of Space Force shines is that he's really brought the whole cast and all of these characters together mm-hmm. against all of these different common problems versus like in the first season, some of them were at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the conflict was coming from. And it's so it made some that... of them unrelatable, but versus like, I really, really enjoyed the second season even more than the first. I know they really tinker with those shows too. Like um, Mike Schur, who also does some shows like Parks and Rec and mm-hmm. has worked with Greg Daniels. He was talking about like, after The Office and some of these shows, they really sit down and say like, what worked about that season and what didn't like, because they're looking at it in the long haul and at a point that they're just trying to get renewed. So I know with this show, or I can imagine based off the change from one season to the next, that it was like a drastic change in the tone of the show, like the style of the show. And also there's only seven episodes. The first one had longer episodes. I think it was like a really aggressive edit. Like this is just a theory. I don't know if it's true, but watching the second season, there's a couple plot lines that are just like referred to at the beginning or end of an episode. Like, oh, is there at dinner last night or whatever? I was like, I bet you shot that scene. Like it seems really like (laughs) repurposed back into a new format. I think it actually works really well. So now I'm curious to see if in the third season they like I think it's just going to keep getting better and better, I guess is what I'm saying. And I, I really appreciate that, that they're willing to yeah, I think uh, that... make those leaps, you know, and, and I think it, it serves all the, the actors really well too. See, it's possible that, that they did severely edit down some of those things, but I think also one of the funniest running gags of this show is that they never explain some of the biggest plot yes. development parts like in we still don't so this show's been on for two seasons now and it's established in the very first episode that Steve Carell's wife who is played by Lisa Kudrow mm-hmm. is in jail for a very very long time and so you have to imagine what did this woman do that she's getting jail time for over 20 years and everybody knows she's in jail and they kind of allude to things but you never actually know what it is that she's done so for two mm-hmm. seasons now they've never actually said it and then 
for this season, uh, the cliffhanger for season one is that some of the characters are stranded on the moon. Mm-hmm. And so you, you're left thinking, oh, how do they get off? How do they get out of this? And in the very first episode, they're all back and they clearly have some trauma around mm-hmm. what happened on the moon and how they got back. But again, you spend the entire second season never knowing how it is they've made it back or what well, this, exactly happened this does, there. <laughs> this does lead me to one, I guess, bonus question for our guest is, are there any poltergeists on the on the moon? <gasps> ha- has any poltergeist ever snuck into a... Like, could you imagine a poltergeist in a space station? We're talking about high tech. That would be... That's like a imagine poltergeist... Imagine moving str- those instruments poltergeist around. Poltergeist in space? I did hear about someone who snuck on that ship with that Mr. Ooh. Musk. Oh. Uh, I have not seen them, though. There's been no uh, return in. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a very good chance that they are now on the moon. Wow. Um, but it, that's just too far for me. I can't be bothered. Oh, yeah. And I, you know what? Even if they were up there, no human would ever admit it, right? It would. They'd be like, oh, I can't believe we let a, goal, a poltergeist up here. You know, that's on them. And there's so much secrecy in space. I, I, I guess that secret uh, maybe wouldn't get out, but I'd like to to dream and imagine that that they made it up there uh, with Mr. Musk and and are kind of wreaking their own havoc. Um, now is the point of the show. Uh, sometimes just let our guests, if they want to impart any words of wisdom uh, to our listeners before we sign off, just anything that you think people might like to keep in mind for their uh, human living lives. Absolutely, I would say um, do not uh make sweet tea if you're living in the south uh too much because if you do you will be haunted i would say so i would also say um do not wear red Mm. on saturdays oh just on saturdays add color for saturdays it's a bad omen it's a it's a horrible omen and i would say try and leave your door open on tuesday nights from three to five o'clock as well. I would say that's just a safety measure that mm. I would I would highly recommend. Wow. Like your front door, you wanna leave it ajar or just unlocked? I would say you'd wanna leave that ajar just a little bit. It can be your front door, it can be that patio door, uh, just in case, uh, wow. you know, you, you need the ghost to slip out. And that's usually when we're heading out to go to do our, um, you know, our like nightly rave-in. Mm. So if you leave the door open, they can leave your house mm-hmm. and then you can lock them out after. I see, but what if they came in, but they, they wouldn't come in at that time? You know no, what? No, I, I have. We're out of time. I can't ask any further uh, details about this. It's just the important thing is uh, leave your door a little ajar on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Um, you know, and and maybe if you're lucky or unlucky, you'll get a nice uh, visitation on your next uh, casual Friday. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hope you all have a uh, ghost-filled or ghost-free life to whatever your preference is. And we'll see you on the next episode of Monstrology. Bye. Monstrology is homegrown Canadian content, co-hosted by Will King and Madrin McCabe, edited and produced by Will King, and distributed on the Podbean platform. As a young hatchling podcast, it means a lot to us if you rate, review, and subscribe to Monstrology on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever your monsters are found. (laughs) 